flew us to Kauai. We went to Kauai and spent a whole week. It was wonderful. We hadn't seen each other in seven months. And um, I was telling Corey, I said, I think that was the hardest thing in my Navy career when it was such a hard, difficult war that I remember we had come back from Kauai to Oahu and we were staying in a Navy Recreation Hotel. And he had to leave, he put on his flight suit and um, they were baggy, baggy flight suits back then. And um, he put it on and I'm standing at the door and he's walking down the hall and I'm standing there telling him goodbye. And I didn't think I'd ever see him again. I just, I didn't. It was just, I thought, that's it, you know? It's been great, but I'll see you. Hey everybody, welcome again to another episode of the NoCast. I'm Corey. And I'm Banning. We have another amazing guest for you today. Ann Myers is a joy and a treasure to everyone that knows her. The bulldog and the moose, as they say. This was, in, this was an interesting one, because I think you're going to find that we planned to talk about Ann, but this whole podcast episode went down a whole nother direction. We didn't talk about Ann that much no and I, I think and that's what she want but that's what she wanted to do you could tell that she just wanted to talk about her late husband and he's all about the moose and the moose and he is fascinating and i just think that folks are going to listen to this podcast and and they're going to love it such a great story of of a marriage that's enriching and and a true partnership and that's exactly why she wanted to talk about him so much because that was such a special thing to her yeah and i said it i said it in the podcast if he was here instead of her he would have done the same thing he would have talked about her the whole time and they were they were inseparable 64 years their marriage went on i mean it was yeah so well we'll stop spoiling it for you guys let's get you on to the interview and we'll talk afterwards Enjoy. enjoy Anne, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for coming in with us today. It's my pleasure. Great. Well, let's start with the beginning. Grew up in Moderna, California. Correct. Way back when. Way back when. (laughs) I've got a birthday this month, you know that. Uh Oh, happy early birthday. Uh Would you like to know how old I am? If you're willing to share it, Uh nobody's going to guess. I'm going to be 88 years old. Wow. When you talk a long time ago, <laughs> you got it. What day was your what day were you born on? On the 22nd of November. My wife's is the 21st. Oh, close, maybe yeah. we should celebrate. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, you would never guess that our our dear Anne is about to be 88 years old. She's so full of life and energy and spunk. And I'm sure a lot of that came with being a Navy wife. Absolutely. <laughs> Look at that. She gets charged up right when you mention it. Look at that. I can't wait to talk about about that whole experience. Yeah. So childhood was pretty, you know, pretty idyllic. It was idyllic. probably pretty normal, uh, maybe. I grew up, we grew up in the country. My father had a small mom and pop grocery store. And um, we lived... Well, about three miles out of town, so I had to entertain myself <laughs> as I grew up. I had an older brother who was four years older than I am, and so the things I did were um, just things to keep myself happy, and I 
very comfortable being by myself. What kind of things would you do to keep yourself busy? Because I'm trying oh. to think, what, would I, what do I do to keep myself busy? And I can't really think of... It's all got the internet involved. Yeah, everything <laughs> involves the internet, so... I was, um, I read a lot, but I also love music, which I've talked about before. And anyway, I, way back when, a million years ago, <laughs> they had, um, they'd put a magazine out every week with the top songs and uh, words and um, we had in our backyard in a patio area there were big slab um, benches and I would stand up there and sing all the songs and wow yeah that's, that's how awesome. I entertain myself <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never watched leave it to beaver but it sounds like a leave it to beaver kind probably of probably so like, yeah like my parents owned a grocery store and I lived out in the country <laughs> and except I don't know how much leave it to beaver was out singing on benches and leave it to beaver meets sound of music <laughs> I loved it. it was just fun um and you know the cats and the dogs were my were my uh, audience, and I could always entertain myself. I was I was fine. I didn't, and that's probably as you said, being a Navy wife. Uh, I was very comfortable alone, as I am now as a widow. I'm very comfortable alone because I've learned to do that. Strong, independent women. That's I mean my grandma, who's your age, she is also a widow. And she is, she's out there crushing it. You know, she's out there living in a cabin in Montana, takes care of her life, all of her own stuff. And I think to myself, like, wow, all the older women in my life are all strong, independent women. And I think we had to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know much about that as a, as a, as a male, as a millennial, classic millennial, but coming up through the time that you did, do you ever think about the experience of the younger generation growing up and the differences between the two, because I hear a lot of older folks often kind of lament about the circumstances that it's like, like the old days, you know, it's like, it's different now to take care of kids. You just give them an iPad and that's how they keep themselves busy. But when you don't ha didn't have those things, it sounds like a lot more, you a spend, lot more excitement. Well, mothers didn't work. Mothers stayed home and, um, interact with the children and um, so that's the difference. It's still the same instead of an iPad right there in front, there's somebody playing with you all day long or making mud pies or that's what we did. We put, we put on shows, Beth Ann and her sister, you know, we did the whole, the whole thing. Yeah. And Beth Ann's your daughter. Right. Obviously no love her. Everybody dearly. knows yeah. that. And you have two more? Yes, Susie who has been here many, many times, you. and she comes every year to help her sister with VPS. She's the storyteller. And then I have Michael, and Michael is um, much younger, and, um, and he lives down in Ocean Beach. Well, so coming from school and carrying over life, how did you meet Dick and become that Navy wife? Oh. The moose. The moose. The mooser, yeah. Um, matter of fact, it will be tomorrow. He will have gone to be with the Lord four years on the 15th, which is tomorrow. He was one of my favorite all-time people. Oh, thank you. He was such a good guy. Yeah, I loved, I loved the moose. Yep. 
anyway, we were going to Fresno State, and um, I can still remember very vividly, um, he had bright red hair. What? <laughs> wow. I always said I would never date anyone with bright <laughs> red hair. Wow. Okay. I met him through a friend of his who was dating my roommate. And um, he was really neat. I mean, not looking at the red hair, he was really neat. And he was very handsome. Do you mean neat like he was ordered or he was just an interesting guy? No, he was just, he was very much a gentleman, but fun, you know, to be with and made you feel good when you were with him. And Rod and he came over to uh, study with Miriam and I, and um, he asked me out for a cup of coffee after we got through, and I said yes, and I can still remember. I was wearing, um, I had on a, a sort of a gold-colored suede jacket that had a belt. I happened to have left the belt in the car when I got out, it had just slipped out. And he always said I did that on purpose, <laughs> so he would come back again. <laughs> anyway, and did you do it on purpose? Nope, didn't do it on purpose, but I had a few dates already lined up, and I canceled them all once I went out and had coffee with him. And we married the end of our sophomore year in college. Wow, so we actually had a running bet before you got here about, because engagements are typically longer than in these days and they seem to have been how long was your engagement or how long would you No, you we didn't have an engagement we just got married <laughs> yeah there it is there was, <laughs> it was great so <laughs> he our, went our, he asked my mother and father for my hand in marriage and another good thing about him that i i think all young men probably don't do anymore we went out that one time and I guess he wanted to ask me for a date. And he lived, his parents lived in Sanger, which is also on the other side of Fresno. Madeira's on the other. He said, I would really like to take you out, but I want your parents to meet me first. No way. And he did. I called my parents and I said, there's just a really neat guy. And he'd like to ask me for a date, but he won't take me out until... till." You meet him. So he was serious the entire time. He, he I don't know that he was serious, but that was the kind of fellow he was. His um, mother was very much a lady and taught him beautiful manners. And he was very gracious, but not stuffy at all. Mm. Just uh, always just fun to be around. He was a tasteful gentleman. A tasteful gentleman. Um, I have so many people, um, even people here in our church that knew him said that they felt that it was very hard for them to believe that he commanded an aircraft carrier because he was such a gentle, gentle man, softly spoken in ways, but it's because he knew everybody on that ship. Every day he went from the top all the way down to engineering, made himself available to anybody regardless of rank, to meet him, talk to him if he had to be. You didn't have to have a loud voice and speak loud. And they loved him for that. 
you know, and he loved them. It was very evident. Wow. So your mom and dad meet him. Uh-huh. They liked him. They, I was going to say, <laughs> did, you, did you and your mom have a little gossip no, about the first no, impression? I don't think so. And we used to, like weekends, um, and we were out of school because we both um, lived in, uh, near the, at the school. We, um, one weekend, we would go to Sanger and spend the weekend with his parents if we wanted to do something for the weekend and um, go to church with them and do, and then the same thing with my parents. If there was an extra room, and uh, that's just the way we did it. Family was, was involved. Um, we didn't do that every weekend. We stayed at school and football games, and we were big dancers and liked to do that. What's your favorite dance? Uh, probably swing. We were Really? Very, oh, yeah. Wow. We were really good, too. Oh, really? <laughs> we were really oh. good. Did you do t- competitions or just go no, out No, um, I, uh, I've always loved to dance, and that's something I always did. I did. I sang in musicals and did dancing and did that sort of thing. So what, what was the first date after you guys went out had coffee? What was the first date after you met uh, your parents? We went to see Hamlet. What? Wow. He uh-huh. had you pegged. <laughs> he knew what a what did, smooth player. Look. What did he drive? Huh? Oh, he had a he had a Ford uh, coupe. Uh huh. Uh huh. What color? Black. Uh huh. Very oh, shiny. Slick. Very cute. Real slick. Yeah. Yep. And wow. he um, played in all sports. He had a football scholarship, but he broke his broke his ankle. <laughs> Not too long into no, that's not that was the second one. When I met him, he was like this. Oh, broken arm, shoulder, shoulder. Yeah. broken shoulder. His his uh, clavicle. Yeah, and wow. he was he lost a scholarship because he went out for the weekend with his buddies and played baseball and he slid in and broke his collarbone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he lost a scholarship. <laughs> wow, but uh, it's fun. And the date went well, obviously. Absolutely. Absolutely. We had, we just, um, you know, when you're in college and you all know that, there's so many things going on. You know, there's your foot in the fall, there's football and dances. And, and um, we both pledged, I pledged a sorority and he pledged fraternity. And we had all those fun things to do. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Wow. It, it's, it's not unironic that Ann Myers is a bulldog. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I am. I am. That's you know true. that, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's it's through and through. It's true. <laughs> I am a bulldog. How long did you date before you got married? Two years. Well, I met him at the very beginning of my freshman year. Um, let's see. We probably met like in November. And um, then we married the end of our end of our sophomore year I said I would go to work and he would finish school (laughs) 13 months later I'm pregnant (laughs) (laughs) Uh wow yep with Susie and um I they would only let you work six months and then uh that was a, a law way back when for women and uh I uh, so I quit and he worked 
three jobs or two jobs and went to school, made straight A's and uh, did fine. Wow. So the goal wasn't always for him to go in the Navy then. Okay. Was Th that was during, that was during um, the Korean War. That was in the 50s. And there was a draft and he was eligible for draft. So he and his buddies all joined the Naval Reserve so they could stay in college and finish school. So in the summertime, they had to go for two weeks or six weeks, I guess it was, um, to uh, training down in Long Beach. And then after he graduated, he was off to Rhode Island for Officers Candidate School. Mm. And he did that. And Susie and I then, in that September, we flew back on a DC-7. Do you even know what a D? That uh, those is big, those big transports. That's the first big trans, you know, yeah. transport. We flew from San Francisco all the way to Washington D.C. nonstop with a little baby, and uh, we uh, he was there worked for the National Security Agency. The NSA. Uh huh. Uh huh. And um, then we moved to moved further out towards College Park, Maryland, where the university was. And he was still working for NSA, National Security Agency. I have Susie and new baby, Mr. Myers, or I guess he was by then a lieutenant. Myers comes home and he said, oh, no, first somebody said, what are you doing this weekend? Dick, and he said, nothing, and he said, how would you like to go flying? <laughs> and somebody took him up in an airplane, and he came home and said, and I'm applying for flight school. <laughs> oh, wow. He was hooked right away. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. That was it. And so off we went to Pensacola. He was with mostly Marines and a few Navy graduated first in his class then we were off to because of that he could pick anything he wanted and he wanted jets so off we went to Kingsville Texas and we lived in Navy housing there and um, he um, was first in his class out of there so he get to pick what he wanted to do and he picked Miramar and it was the beginning of the F-8, which was F-8U's then, single-seat fighter. There were no single-seat fighters until then. They had no training squadrons like they do now, like Top Gun, which we'll get into. But he, uh, he would read the manual, bring it home. I would quiz him. He would get in, and he would go for FAM-1. And we would do FAM too. <laughs> and that's the way they learned to fly because it was, they never had, that was the first squadron mm. of F-8s. And um, he loved it. Just loved flying and he loved the airplane. And uh, he was, it was great. We that, did. That's so cool. It's, and you did all of this within how many years of, of when you first got married? Seems the way you described it okay. seems like it happened like it did really well, early like really quick. Well, it was. We had um, Susie when he trying to think she had to be four, so five years, and we bought our first house 
in Claremont, and um, he was in the squadron then, and uh, he just... So this is within the first five years of your marriage? Yeah, you, we did you all this in, stuff. Oh, you got... lived in, in, in D.C., you said, or... Washington, D.C., and we lived in uh, Pensacola, Florida, Kingsville, Texas, and now, now we are in San Diego. Wow. Claremont. But that was only for a short time. <laughs> then then uh, he had to do um, a short, not a shore duty, but different than flying. Hmm. So he became um, flagsec aide to an admiral, and um, admiral guest. And they were on a ship, and he was in the Pacific. And that's when the Vietnam War broke right there and he was right in the midst of that and um came home and um hmm, we adopted michael during that time when he came i guess mike was about two then by then and um then things really moved quickly he went to to a squadron from then he went to 151 vf 151 and um those were hard times. They were really hard times because they, they're they're gone. You know, they're not. Uh, he was gone at one time, uh, seven, eleven months, gone from home. And was was that his first deployment away from you? No. no. Oh no 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 no. What, what, what <laughs> I think that probably was about three, three or four. Four. How, how was that first deployment for you? The first one, you know. As you say, I think because um, I'm pretty independent, but I'm also absolutely crazy about this guy, you know? I mean, we had absolutely the most beautiful, perfect marriage all the way. I was one of those very blessed women that I had no problem when he came home. That's when families have problems, because all of a sudden there's a wife taking care of everything, the house, all the finances, because when they leave, everything's on you. You've got the kids. You've got everything, whatever's going on. You've got it. And when they come home, women have a very difficult time turning everything over. You know, um, they're used to saying, okay, Beth Ann, now I've told you so many times. But Daddy says, okay, it's all right. But we seem to work that out fine. I had no problem turning over the checkbook. I have no problem, you know, doing the things that men like to do and be in charge of the household. I didn't. I just wanted to be a wife and to love him and love the kids. So I didn't have problem. But being alone is very difficult. And I, being a Christian woman, I was not one that, a lot of women, you know, go out with their girlfriends and go to the bars and have fun. I just was not interested. I was really busy at church, busy with things that I had to do. And I, uh, I was, we would get together as wives in each other's homes, and I was comfortable doing that. But otherwise, no, I stayed home with my kids. Mm-hmm. And correspondence back then. I letters. Mean, letters. Letters. We were, both wrote, he wrote every day. Really? Every day. didn't make any difference how long it was, but he wrote every day. 
And I wrote every day. And it would take take how long for those letters to, to get to you? A week. And would you get a, would you get a whole bunch of them at a time, or no, were you get, just, were you getting one every yeah, every day? Sometimes more than one would come. Yeah, that, uh-huh. that's got to be actually pretty cool and pretty reassuring. You know, I have all the letters that he wrote to his mom, but I did something really bad after Vietnam. That was so hard, so hard. Um, I would lay in bed at night and turn on the 10 o'clock news, and you could hear the planes that went down. They didn't tell you. They would say um, so many A6s, so many F. You know, they would just tell the type of plane, but you didn't know what squadron or who it was. And it was it was awful. It really was hard. Would hard you say to, that, I mean, he had a, a very long career. 30 um, years. How many deployments would you would you guess? Oh, my gosh. Heavens forbid. Um, uh, I don't know. Something like nine or ten, maybe. A lot. Yeah, a lot. He, we were married our... He was in the Navy for 30 years, and 15 years of that, he was deployed. Wow. Half of that. Wow. Was there, I mean, you mentioned Vietnam was really hard war. It's a hard so war. Out of all the, so out of all the deployments he had, were those the hardest ones? That was the hardest, yes. Yeah. It was very, very hard. Um, his one, at one time, his wingman, Ron Dodge, great kid. Oh, gosh, we love Ron. He was his wingman, and um, Dick felt that he was strong enough to take take his own men out, and um, Ron went off and was shot down and captured and killed, and that was very hard for him, really, really hard that he let, you know, it just happened, but he felt that he probably might have let him go too soon, you know, to be his own squadron leader. You say the Vietnam is the hardest mm-hmm. for you, and we can see it, and you see you get you get emotional. Yeah. Was it that part that made it so hard? Was that Dick was in charge of these men, and he was losing. No, these I don't men, think or? so. It was just the war was horrible. We had so many friends that were shot down, and we didn't know if they were alive or dead because so many were captured, and um, like. As I mentioned, Ron, um, he was captured, but I, we found out later that they had killed him. And um, But I told you that story about uh, the really difficult time. He had been gone seven months, and they were going to make them stay out longer. So they let um, some of the wives from our squadron go over to Hawaii, and they were going to fly the men over. And we were going to get a whole week, and we went to flew us to Kauai. Uh, we went to Kauai and spent a whole week. It was wonderful. We hadn't seen each other in seven months, and um, I was telling Corey. I said I think that was the hardest thing in my Navy career when it was such a hard, difficult war. That I remember we had come back from Kauai to Oahu, and we were staying in uh, Navy recreation hotel and he had to leave he put on his flight suit and um they were baggy baggy flight suits Mm. back then and um 
He put it on, and I'm standing at the door, and he's walking down the hall, and I'm standing there telling him goodbye. And I didn't think I'd ever see him again. Wow. I just, I didn't. It was just, I thought, that's it, you know? It's been great, but I'll see you. he did he yeah. came home and had a wonderful 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 career but oh and then as soon that was probably April and in June um, the kids and I had gone shopping and we were coming home and he had signed a paper when he went over that if he ever shot down a plane that it would not ever be um, be broadcast in any way because we as at home were in danger mm -hmm. because it was just such a contentious war and he was a great pilot too yeah he was i mean he had what <laughs> well, do you know his stats i mean oh i have him at home or mike does but anyway we he, on the 28th we're coming home kids have the radio on and listening to music and it was interrupted and they just said Moose Myers from Poway, California, it was uh, Lieutenant Commander Moose Myers, has just shot down the first MiG-21 in the war. Wow. And it shouldn't have been announced. It came out some, they said some disc jockey got Navy, picked it up some way and broadcast it. And that was really, really bad for my children and for me, because we got, I, the phone calls were so bad that I could not allow my children to answer the telephone anymore. And this went on for months. So my dad served in Vietnam, mm -hmm. and um, my grandma still has the letters that he would write her when he was deployed. She talked about how the climate of American society was really hard because you had a lot of these boys, like my dad and like Moose, who were drafted. I mean, they didn't have a choice and they do the best they can. They go off to war. But then coming back, he was received as oh, it's awful. a baby killer, murderer. Absolutely. And he was just a, a Carlsbad surfer that got drafted and had no choice. <laughs> yeah. And he did his duty, but he came back home and was, was treated, treated terribly. Mm -hmm. It was awful. It was terrible. So you and dealt with that. You dealt with that. When his name gets out there broadcast, you have all those people who are, are looking looking to to expel that anger they have and they focus it on your family they do wow. it, was, it was terrible but we um he came but three months after that i guess he came home and it was on a sunday morning they flew them they flew the pilots uh off early to come home from hawaii and he landed out at miramar sunday morning i had planned my day we're gonna have great breakfast kids were going to sit around and catch up moose myers on his way home i said oh we're going to have a great day it must have been about 10 o'clock yeah and he said it's 10 o'clock we can make church <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. he said i have to go 
He said, I just have to go. And we went to church. Wow. <laughs> and he did. And um, thanked the congregation for praying for him and getting him home safe and sound. But he was combat limited after that because he had flown uh, over two, I believe, 250 missions over Hanoi. And uh, he couldn't fly over there anymore. So he was selected for a squadron at that point. And uh, we were moved to the, west, to the East Coast, to Virginia Beach, and he screened for, uh, for a command, which was really exciting. And uh, he went to an F-4 squadron and became a skipper of an F-4 squadron. Wow. Love that. W- what did the moose think of the F-4? Because I've heard oh, some he stories loved, about the F-4. He F- loved it. But he see, did. he had always been single seat. So it was a little little difficult for him to have somebody in his back seat um, talking and um, I, I've heard it be described as there's no way this plane should actually be flying <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a beautiful plane it really was beautiful and he he loved it and um, we, trying to think first cruise um, we went on I took all. The, I took most of the wives from the squadron and followed the ship for the whole time, and that was a real experience. Young wives and uh, we uh, went from we stopped in Rhodes for six weeks, and then we joined, and the girls went to boarding school in France, and I home tutored Michael. This was a decision we made after Vietnam. I said how hard it was, and we decided. We just could not be separated as a family anymore. Mm. And so we did this together. And so I, when the carrier would come into port, I was going to be there and um, the gals. And we did fine. We didn't get in any trouble or <laughs> do anything <laughs> too bad. Do you speak French? <laughs> the girls do because wow. they went to uh, international school and speak. Yeah. Have Bethy speak to you. I know. Well, she's, she's mentioned it before. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you yeah. miss, I mean, Fran- you hear about France. It's like the food. Oh, know? wonderful food. Yeah. Wonderful food. And we, we uh, stopped France, Italy, Greece. Uh, beautiful. I love Greece. Have a great story about Island of Rhodes. We w- they were going to go into the Island of Rhodes. We traveled over there with the girls, with my the wives, and had a whole, I think there were about 10 or 15 wives. And um, the ship was supposed to come in. Well, they had a war off of, off of Israel. And so the carrier turned around and went over to Israel. And we were there for six weeks, I think, in the island of Rhodes. And during that time, one of the wives had um, appendectomy, had came down and but I had three nurses with me and we kind of had to take care of ourselves the only thing is the hospital there was nobody that spoke English and <clears throat> I took Toby was a girl's name Toby Geesting and I took Toby in she had on her she had on her nightie and a little duster over it and she had a she had on loafers <laughs> and we went into the hospital and they met us and nobody spoke, but I found Mr. Bargini. He was Voice of America in Rhodes. 
and he came over and stayed with her even through the, the surgery in the surgery room. Anyway, they took Toby into the operating room, and um, they brought her out, and she had on her nighty and her robe and her 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 loafers. <laughs> All they did were pull her pants down and do surgery. <laughs> scared me to death wow. I went into the kitchen and Mr. Bargini said he would get me some tomato soup so we could feed her I went into the committee there were cats running around the kitchen and the hospital and all of the all of the surgeons robes and things were hanging underneath a tree on a line oh out in back. <laughs> <laughs> it's just all I could think. And so we got some way, and I can't, Mr. Bergini did it, got a hold of the ship. And in a few days, they sent the flight surgeon over and he checked her over oh, and good. she was fine. Wow. I still, they live in San Diego. I still hear from them. That's awesome. So you described yourself as being like the mother of all the families left at home. And I guess that's a perfect yeah, example of it. How, how did you fall into that role? And, and You just do. Well, when you first as a Navy wife, they give you a back then. Navy was very, very proper. They give you a book. You learn how to do it. In the afternoon as a Navy wife, I'm to be dressed and ready for whatever and my children are to be dressed and ready for whatever. If I had, we had to have little silver calling trays and if the captain or the squadron commander or whoever came by, um, they had their calling cards and we, we went for a visit, we had our calling cards. Things were very formal and uh, certainly not like that now, everything is, Women don't have to do anything more than be a wife. Um, we were an officer's wife, and we were to, to fill that role as a mother and as a wife, whatever it was. It was very, very different. Yeah, it sounds like it was, I mean, you, like the role was more recognized. Uh-huh. It was. You know, it's understanding that, and I think that's really cool because I, I sometimes wonder and have concern for how much support military families receive and back then to have to hear that they treated the those that were staying home as a part of the we were the process is yeah, great you are and um they really you know they watch after you and you have um chaplains were very very important to us they were ones we could always if the fellows were deployed we knew the chaplains were there also Red Cross, if anything happened. They were just terrific to us. Um, we had, um, I worked when we lived in Washington, um, I worked with the chaplain corps and the head of chaplains to um, put together the ombudsman program in the Navy, which is very strong now, um, where they have an ombudsman to take care of you know, the families and that sort of thing. We were very much a, a team, and with me um, not working, but being a wife, a Navy wife. When Dick had the carrier, um, he wanted the families to be part of, um, be part of their deployment, and we knew that they were gonna be gone for 
seven months, say that was the first one, and with a Kennedy, and um, he put a phone in our kitchen that went directly to the ship. Wow. And every, sometime during That's pretty special. The yeah. night, during the night, he would he would talk to the families and say what's he couldn't say, you know, anything that would be, you know, something they couldn't report on, but something that they were doing, they had launches and that sort of thing. And the families could call that number day or night and hear him tell what they were doing for that day. Wow. And I could, I, my bedroom was upstairs. We lived in quarters. And I could hear that phone ring all night, you know. People, wives and kids be lonesome and they could go to the phone and, you know, Cap Myers was talking to them. That's and telling them what was going on and, and that the, you know, their men were fine and they were doing And this great, isn't a recording, right? This is... No, he, t he it, would... It, he it was would, a recording. He would record it, you know, for, and they could just call and... But was that normal procedure or I've was never that heard he of did? anybody else ever doing so it. So that was just his own... That was something he did, yeah. And the families loved it. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, the kids come home, like, hey, let's go call Cap Myers. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Find that's out tremendous. what's going Wow, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Did he deal with any, I mean, that's a lot of deployments, a lot of war. Did any of that affect him? I know there's a lot of concern these days with a lot of troops, and especially Vietnam, mm -hmm. um, suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. No, he didn't have any problem. Um he had, um, I remember, it took him a while um, after he left that part of the war. He would talk about it with me just to get away from it, you know, and those that you've lost or, it was, it's hard. It affects you emotionally, you know. Oh, sure. But he was, he was strong and he was, his faith was very strong, as you know, you knew him, and he was never any different. Um, I think that's one thing that I, I loved about him. We weren't, um, the Jesus movement had not come out when we met, but um, he, he was a, a man who went to church. Mm. And that's, you know, that was what I, one reason I loved him. We, he, our faith was always very strong, you know, with the kids and, and with him and his faith was, was great. And that was one thing he um, made sure that his men when he commanded the John F. Kennedy, that they knew he was a man of faith, and he didn't he didn't hide it. And when he put put people in the brig, <laughs> made them all go to church on Sunday. <laughs> yep. Uh -huh. uh, to some, that might be oh, the greatest funny. form of punishment. Yeah. The greatest thing they have to sit through. Yeah. And uh, when um, we would take the gig, is a uh, you know every carrier has a gig that the captain can go in a little it's like a a little speedboat kind yeah. of big you know like a little yacht like a little dinghy little it's big okay it's big yeah <laughs> not little yeah, yeah not too little anyway we were stationed in norfolk and living in quarters and uh when they weren't at sea and they were in we the whole family we would get in the get in the gig and go over to um to Portsmouth or wherever he was, and the whole family would go to church there, so this men would see it. And he was never embarrassed about 
when they were at sea carrying his Bible through the flight deck to get to the chapel. It was who he was, you know. And I think I still have a Bible at home written by one of the little seamen that gave him a Bible. I thought it was so sweet. That's awesome. When he took his last deployment, were you aware that that was the last time that he'd be going off to war? No. Or when you came back, you decided? No, (laughs) never, no. But once they made flag, once they made admiral, Mm. they really, you know, they weren't out at sea. He, yeah. You have to do certain things to do. And he was sent to, um, he was sent, we were sent to Italy. Yeah. To Naples, and we lived there. And um, then we came back to the United States and moved to Washington. And um, he was commandant of the Naval District, Washington. Hated it. Wow. He Why said, is that? He said, I want to get out of after he served. It was 18 months, and he would know it would be Pentagon after that. He said, I went in the Navy to be with men, to be with the young men, and um, train them and to do what they're supposed to do, and I don't want to be pushing a pencil around. And it was, uh, I was having a ball. Yeah. I was. It was <laughs> Fancy I, dinners. I said, for the first time, I guess I should say that. First time we had a mess specialist in our house that cooked, <laughs> did things. Uh-huh. I had somebody drive me around. Wow. <laughs> Living the life. Not too. And I said, what do you mean you want to get out? <laughs> no. I just made it. <laughs> you sit in the Pentagon, Moose. <laughs> yeah. You like it. <laughs> oh. Nope. So it was fine. Whatever he wanted, we did great. <laughs> it was super. And so he's put in his retirement and we got out. I am always fascinated. Like if I'm ever having like a rough day, I'll Google search. You see those videos that pop up that are like the deployment return home videos and families oh. coming together. And, and it's seems super euphoric, obviously, and, and extremely joyful. If you could try to describe what it's like to having not had your husband home for months in a terrible scary war and then here they are now and you're reuniting what's that feel like what's that what's that like oh it's heaven (laughs) it's great i said someone asked me and um you have two married here um what was it like to have your husband gone so often you know and even when they came home you have to remember that they're they're not always home I mean, they're they're on short deployments. They're for bombing or you know whatever. They're out out to sea for training. They said, "How hard was it?" And I said, "I had the love of my life, and I have had more honeymoons than anybody in the world." Oh wow! Because it is like a honeymoon when they come. It was every wow. Yeah, he's great, and uh, my whole marriage was like that. Being married to him. How many years were you married in total? 64. Woo. And it was just as good at the end as it yeah. was in the beginning. Oh, my He gosh. was great. He was just great. So at what age did he finally retire from the Navy? Uh, he was 50. 50. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. after serving 30 years. Uh-huh. And he, um, well, I guess he had to be older than 52 then. Yeah, 52. 
Um, he went into business. First, uh, he was in business with um, entrepreneurial business with a couple of friends. And we lived in Phoenix. And then we moved to um, California because that was our home. And he did some here. He did some uh, planning for the University of California and on some boards. And he was chairman of the board of, of a huge uh, construction company that builds high, high rises and did a lot of things that he had wanted to do and had the opportunity to do. So when we, we look at like your story, we knew, I think, before we sat down with you that it wasn't just going to be about Anne. It was going to be about Moose as well. Because oh, Ab, that's who we are. I know. And your stories, it's almost like they're, <laughs> they're, they're, so they're intermingled completely. They are. We were. And we both. And he would have said the same thing. But anyway, we're really busy, as you know, yeah. in youth here. Very, very busy with with uh, Danny White and... and uh, Ricky and KJ, I mean, that's family to us. And um, we're sitting, I built my dream house in Valley Center. I built an adobe house on top of the highest mountain in Valley. Oh, I loved it. Oh, it was so beautiful. I taught, I taught night um, ladies here. I started the women's ministry. They've never had women's ministry here. I taught um, right down there every Wednesday and uh, taught in the morning and did Logos. We had 100 kids come every Tuesday. It was terrific. And Dick would come in and wash dishes for me at night because we fed. We sat down at a, this table with, with parents and uh, children. And uh, it was a great program. So anyway, really involved with the teenagers. Mm. He comes home and he said, think we should sell the house, Ann. Oh. <laughs> <clears throat> Why? Yeah. <laughs> Flashbacks to, I, I want to get out of the Navy, Ann. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> he said, I think we should go to Shaver Lake and build a youth camp for kids that can't afford to go. He'd, we'd, he'd been doing Hume Lake, and kids just couldn't do it. And so... I said, let's pray about it. Yeah. <laughs> let's pray about it. So, so why did he pick Shaver Lake? What, that, what drew uh, that was home there? for him. His parents had always had a home up there. That's right. And that by, was their, right vac their yeah. vacation home Got from it. Sanger. And it's beautiful. It is. I mean, oh, it's it phenomenal. Gorgeous. Yeah. They, just, they actually just had all that fire damage. It's and it's for bad. For sure. Anyway, uh, we did. We sold the house. And we moved up there, lived in a trailer for a few months, and um, we uh, built our built the ho the home. Our son came up and built the home for us, and put the camp together. And uh, Pastor Kirk brought a bunch of kids up, and they did some work for us. And the pastor up at Shaver, Pastor Jim, they built um, all of the tent um, bases and um, put in the showers, and uh, off we went. And we were there for 10 years. And what year was this? Hasn't been that long. Uh, we went up there in 2001. Yeah, I mean, I, I went up there and visited you guys. That's where I first met, I think, might have met you guys up there. Yeah. Oh, I'm so. 
we were always there. I was yeah. when when our kids came up, we were there every day. Yeah, and you used to come up to visit when we would take our students up there. Always. I mean, it yeah. was it was every yeah. year we get to see the moose and Ann. Yep, there we cool. come. Yep, we were there every night when we had program, and it was ten years. And um, he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and I knew. And he was great about it. He said, you know, you can't do this alone. So uh, we sold the camp and um, moved. We looked, really dreaming, we looked along the beach. <laughs> <laughs> so we came to Fall, Fallbrook. But that was, we, that, yeah. th this was our church. This is where we, you know, people we loved and loved us. All of, like myself, us, all of our friends were... I feel like we're at that phase of life where we are, you know, we're, we're, we've been married a few years. We're trying to envision what the future is going to be like. How are we going to buy a house? How are we going to afford, you know, the first, second, third, fourth kid, X, Y, and Z. You're, you're worried about how your story is going to play out. And a big part of that story is marriage and is a relationship. And I think a lot of us would be so lucky if we even lived 65 more years mm -hmm. and you had a marriage with someone for that long. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine what it would be like to lose. The only, my only experience with seeing somebody lose someone like that was my own grandma. She, she, they were married a long, long time and they were married when they were like 15 or 16. It was something crazy. And, um, what was it like if you don't mind? Oh losing dick in the end oh it was it was i had i knew it was coming yeah. so that that must make a big big difference but as i said he was always even with alzheimer's he was always that gracious kind yeah, loving he was always kind always always kind he always um came to to bible study every wednesday there were times you know as jerome said he wasn't quite there, but most of the time he was. I think we were truly, truly blessed. God really, really blessed us. And the times that he didn't know me, and I've probably told you this story before because it's really cute. He, I'd come in and he'd say, excuse me, I don't think I know you. And I said, honey, I'm Anne, I'm your wife. He said, well, I just don't remember you, but you're sure cute. <laughs> that was, that's just the kind there was never you know it was never abusive or never said anything that wasn't kind or loving and um it was like up like that up to the end wow. and losing him i knew it would be coming and um i think i was ready for it he was going to be he never had to go through having to go to a facility or putting in a memory facility or you know he lived at home with me and slept in the same bed and loved each other and oh. you know everything was the same all the way to the end so I felt really blessed that God had taken him and I knew without a doubt where he was yeah you know so I didn't meet Dick until oh you guys gosh. had moved back okay. here from Shaver Lake so then he was already uh -huh. diagnosed with Alzheimer's and he was still the the kindest and most amazing gentleman yeah exactly exactly gentleman. gentleman yeah what was worse for you was because you said you knew it was coming was it mm -hmm. worse losing him or was it worse um seeing his memory decline and seeing him slowly lose that part of himself i was okay with it all i really was i i 
took each day as it came. Um, I think um, our faith, both of us, was very strong. And um, I think our love was just so strong, mm. you know, and caring about each other. The most important thing, I think, in a marriage is to think about the other person first. I mean, doesn't sound like it, does it, when, you know, see ya? But yeah. it, it was. I was always first on his thought. And uh, he was um, just a great, great guy. I, did, I, I was in church that first Sunday after he passed away. I, I remember. That was, you know, what it was. I, my life went on, and that's what he would want me to do. Yeah. And I'm very, as I said, I'm, I miss him every single day. And uh, that's okay, you know. I'm going to see him again someday. And uh, our faith was was strong, and that would never fail. And we always had the same goals. Um, we were both very, very involved uh, with our churches, no matter where we lived. Um, we made a special effort to to uh, step up when things needed doing. It was. It was part of our life, and I think that's the reason, you know, my kids are the way they are, you know, because it was part of their life also. Yeah. I just appreciated him so much because I, I remember he tracked me down one day, and or he might have called me, and he had said, you know, I want to take you to lunch. And I said, really? Like, okay, of course, but why? And he just said, well, I have Alzheimer's, and uh, I just want to make sure that, you know, we have, can have a few conversations before maybe we can't. And I thought... Mm. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Like mm -hmm. to be that self-aware. And we went to, I think we went to garden center like a couple times. And yeah, that's when I learned, he, that's when he told me about how he was, he's like, you can call me moose. And I was like, <laughs> what? Such an honor. Oh, we've got all kinds of mooses around the house. Yeah. You guys, you guys will have to come over and look in the, I love, I love me room. You know, we, we have an eye. That's what they call Navy aviators have. I love me rooms where they're it's just an office with their, pictures oh, and yeah. all when, he shot, awards yeah. and all stuff. Uh, when he shot yeah when he shot his wig <laughs> down or when he that's got a perfect had name so for many, it. yeah and I what kid you. when they're growing up didn't think i'd love to fly like i think everyone even if you realized oh i actually have a fear of heights the pi like like fighter pilot helmets like all that stuff was so fascinating to me as a kid it's yeah. crazy i mean that's so cool i think it was for him too yeah and to be able to do it and to um you know, have a full career doing it. Um, we even have, uh, I think we have part of the the uh, wire that he got his last flight off the Kennedy, which they let him do. Can you imagine um, what it would be like for the air, an aircraft carrier, the captain, when he, he takes off? They don't usually fly, but they, they let him take off and have some fun. Oh, nice. Yeah, before change command that, that's so awesome it, it everything you've told us about moose he seems so aware of what everything he does affects those around him and those that he's serving with and those um that he's leading tell us about your experience seeing that did did you notice this this presence in him this this oh that's awareness he, of, that's the way he's always been that's just the kind of person he was he was um very, very outgoing. Um, stories I've heard as him as a child. Um, I think redheads are, have that uh, tendency, <laughs> you know, because they are noticed. 
and people noticed them. But he was a great athlete, always did play to everything. He played basketball, he played football, he did track. He did, you know, he was just a great athlete and very um, aware of, uh, of always uh, until the bitter end. He, uh, when he couldn't, he had taken so many carrier landings that his spine was just, you can imagine, so many. And when he got so, he, he ran for a long, long time, and then he walked with me because, you know, I'm the walker in the family. And then he wrote, found he could ride his bike, even here. You know, he rode his bike. Oh, I know him. <laughs> He's the fellow out on that blue bike all the time. Mm. But um, very uh, aware of his physical presence and s keep himself trim and, and um, as well as he could be as with Alzheimer's. And I think to your credit too, it's so amazing how every time Moose came with this new wild idea, this new, ooh, like, hey, I don't <laughs> want to be in the Navy anymore. Or, hey, I want to sell our dream home. You were right there by his side. Absolutely. And, and did it seem like you really hesitated and you were always there like, I love this man and I I'm going wherever you go. Mm-hmm. If that's the way it was. I, it's really funny. His birthday is in March. My birthday's in November. I always said he was born. Nine months later, I was born. God said, boy, this guy needs, a f needs somebody to help him out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just takes a level in marriage. It just, I mean, being a f like still pretty newly you know, married, almost three years, but that kind of creative imagination that you have to have in that adaptability. Um, I don't know. I don't know how often I, I see that. I think it's hard for couples to pivot sometimes into new adventures or new, um, unless they're thrust into them because of hardships. But you, you guys pivoted all the, all over the place. And I wonder if, if it was him sitting here instead of you, if we would have spent this whole time talking about all of your exploits, he if he would, would have talked more about your exploits, and I just think to myself, that's such a beautiful thing just to, to know that here you are. And I don't know if either of you would have been able to accomplish what you've done without the other, you know, I mean, right. I would, I, I don't know. We were a team. We yeah. always were, we were great. We moved, uh, 28 times and everybody said, how did you move? Yeah. I said, it's, oh gosh, it must be time to move the closet again. Clean out the closet. I hate moving. You know, <laughs> yeah. We're going to move. Times. That's so yeah. long. It's so know? many. <laughs> but it, uh, it was fine. You yeah. know, we did, we did good. Did it together. And, uh, it was always an experience and God was always present and, uh, in our household. It was the most important part. The serving was always easy, even even in the military, you know, and moving around. And you're still serving now, right? Tell us some of the things that you're you're doing now. Yeah, you're still busy. You're still, you're still, you're still, still a busy lady. You're still moving around. <laughs> still, hey, nominating. We're yeah. working. Yeah. <laughs> we have one. There you go. Yeah, yeah. And um, we're working on the others. Got calls out and... Um, not too much on hospitality right now. You know? But but tell us some of the other things you're doing, or like um, in Silvergate or some of these oh. other. You're staying in 
in touch with all of these other people. Okay. And everybody knows Anna's up at five o'clock every morning. Five fifteen, I'm out on the road. My dog Sierra and I. Sierra is a thirteen-year-old lab who thinks she's five, <laughs> just like me. I think I'm twenty-five, <laughs> and off we go. And we walk mile and a half in the morning, and we pray for everybody in so in. Eastridge. I remember the first time we had a gathering, and um, we're talking about, I mean, these people, we're on our last leg, you know, everybody, 55 and up over there. It's hard for me to realize that there are three-fourths of them don't know God, or they know who he is, but they don't have a, have a relationship with Jesus. So anyway, we go out at five, and we go all the way way around and we pray for everyone and this one time we were having our gathering and it was kind of at the end and people really I guess we had lived there maybe four years we've been there eight now or I've been I got up and I said I don't know if you know that every morning I walk around East Ridge on the trail and I pray for every one of you by name and if you have something wrong with you I pray for that specifically. And if you have a dog or a cat, I pray for them too. <laughs> and it was really interesting. Nobody said anything. Next day, I got a, a little note from a lady down the street, great gal. And she said, I just could not believe you could stand up in a crowd and do that and commit yourself. And um, I talked to her later, and she said, I just... I couldn't do that. And I said, well, that's who I am. You know, I can't be anything different, and that's what I do. If you, you know, like it or not, I'm going to do it every day. That's who I am. That's who I am. That's who I am. And I'm on a committee, you know, for Eastridge. I do that. Just staying busy. I stay very busy. Keep on keeping on. Yes, I do. I right. have one question, one last question. And okay. Corey can wrap up and ask. Yeah. I mean, you... 88 years old in a, a week, a couple weeks, mm -hmm. you had a marriage that was so long. 60, you say 65? 64. 64 mm -hmm. years long. That's more than most people I feel live on their own. <laughs> yeah. If there's anybody listening out there that is, is just in that phase of life, either like myself or Corey or anybody else where you're just like, wow, I can't imagine what that's like. I mean, it's, I just feel like I have so many questions I could ask you, but I guess the the last one I want to ask you is what advice would you give anyone? Because you describe looking back, you say, I love it. I loved my life. I loved my husband. We had every, you paint this very perfect picture and I don't think you're lying. Like I believe you. I think you really honestly, genuinely are very thankful for the life that you lived. Mm. I mean, it would be hard to say, give us a couple, like give us a short piece of advice, but what would you say? How do you, how do you encourage people that want to have that same feeling? I think the big thing is give to each other. My kids, the thing that they remember the most about our marriage was when we got together, when dad came home or regardless of when it was, when dad came home um, or if I'd been out, the minute we got together, went in the bedroom, the door was closed. The kids knew. They weren't to bother us, and whatever, you know, we talked about. We talked. He talked about his day. I talked about my day. Then when we'd come out, and it was usually 15, 20 minutes, and my kids still, 
my son is 50, 55, and he says, Mom, I still remember sitting outside the door because we told the children, this is our time together, and we need that to reconnect as a couple and um, just to be one again, you know. And it was, we did that our whole life and uh, to make sure you had some time during the day to share your thoughts and for her to share her thoughts. And then you get going. You just do what you have to do. But that was, we did it every day. I love that. That's, that is awesome. I think there are a lot of, there are a lot of couples out there that are going to be thinking, how can I incorporate that? Because that is awesome. Just takes a door. Just takes a door. Yeah. It just takes a door. And when you have, yeah, when you have a family, you just let them know. This is, I'm sorry. Mom and dad need this time together. And we did. And it's, it it's was. It's the keeping no matter what's busy in your life, your kids, job, whatever. Together. Together. Together with each other. as one. Uh-huh. And um, always make sure that uh, God is number one in your house. And your children know that. And um, everything else just moves along smoothly. Wow. That's, that's some great advice. And this entire interview has been, been awesome, getting to know Moose through <laughs> you and getting to know how awesome of a lady you are and how, you. what a tough bulldog you are. <laughs> I am um, a it's tough been, bulldog. It's been amazing. And thank you so much for for coming in with us and thanks for the cookies too no oh, you're, you if you're listening you don't realize but actually she brought us some peanut butter cookies mm. um <laughs> and they are very tasty so i'm thank sure you. if you can smell them through the speakers <laughs> um they're very good and yeah thank you so much and give time to each other That's now it. you know it's the everyone. most important thing in the world i love that mm-hmm. thanks Anne. it's been a pleasure mm-hmm. it's my pleasure yeah awesome amazing great and is just such a an amazing woman to to know she's just i don't know just the way that she she just made life seem so simple and that was good that's refreshing for me to hear because i feel like i overcomplicate life a lot and i make all the things and there she talks about marriage and she's just like yeah it was great and it was beautiful and i'm sure that they had their ups and downs but that was part of the beautiful process it's such a testament to her too and i don't think she gives herself enough credit for how truly hard it was to make it be like that and to keep making that decision. Yeah. Wherever he goes, I'm going and you know, whatever he wants to do, whatever the moose wants to do, I'm going to be there and I'm going to help him. And I'm going to then, you know, take that time. And like she said, every day with him door shut, just me and you. Yeah. Like that takes a lot of work and a lot of effort and it's not easy. That's not a, a, yeah, it was just perfect. Like it, it was perfect, but it was perfect because she and, and Dick put in the time to, and they did it together. You know, I think she was being a little, she would, she talked about herself like, yeah, you know, if you wanted to do something, but she is a bulldog. And I know that, I know that knowing, having known Dick for a while, I know that unless she was on board, it wasn't there was happening. There's no way there's happening. Exactly. Because I don't want people to paint this like, oh, this is like a good story of like how to be a great 50s housewife. Sweet old lady. Yeah, because this is not Ann Myers. She no. is a, she's, she's a, I'm up at 5.15 or 5 o'clock, 5.15. I'm out walking. I'm praying for the community. She's very involved in, in her community. She is a go-getter. And I don't know. I just, I just see. Uh, there's no perfect c- comparison here than she's a bulldog. She's a bulldog. It is. 
a, an amazing, fierce and strong and independent woman. Totally. And, and yeah, exactly. It's a, it was a true, true partnership. If Anne didn't want to do it, it, it wasn't going to happen. And I know we talked so much about, about Moose during this, but um, that part of her life, you could just tell how much it meant to her and how special it was. Um, she loved it. And and so it talking about Moose was essentially talking about Anne. 100%. And, and we sure enjoyed sitting down with her, and we hope you all did too. And it was just a great time. This, it was a great time, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, subscribe, review, um, five-star rating, all of that. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, wherever else this happens to be. Um, Find our Patreon. Everything you do helps us support these guys. Yeah, thank you for joining. The NoCast is produced by Mason Minari with executive producers Corey Bidding and Benny Cantarini at SCF Studios in Fallbrook, California. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help support the NoCast, please like, subscribe, and share this episode. Or simply take the time to listen to someone tell their own story. If you'd like to contact us, have any questions, or would like some resources from our episode, please contact us at thenocast at gmail.com. Again, that is thenocast at gmail.com.